Kia ora and welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we're taking you all the way to the UK. <laughs> so Chambers, you'll feel right at home this week with another British accent on the show. Yes, it was nice to hear another accent, actually. It was great. Yeah, we're chatting to Keith Marsh. So for those who haven't met Keith, he's got over 30 years experience in the UK market selling Australia and New Zealand. So a wealth of knowledge and tips for our listeners today. Mm -hmm. A lot. Now, we did record this at the end of November. So a little while ago now. So you'll notice that when he's chatting, some of the dates will sound a bit funny and that's why. But the good news is the UK vaccine that he was talking about has arrived in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we've also just come back from the Tourism Export Council Christmas Symposium where Renee from Tourism New Zealand gave some really good market insights into the UK market. And this is what he said. He said they've been hit hard by COVID-19 second wave, which we all knew, obviously it's been big news over here. They Mm -hmm. have 20,000 new cases daily, but 40% of active considerers are planning a New Zealand visit within six months of the borders reopening. And VFR is expected to lead that, which is about 50% of the overall market. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? They're great statistics. Yep, yeah. And Keith talks about that pent-up demand, so right on the money there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So listen up for all of Keith's tips because they're really worthwhile. And I guess we better hand them over. Enjoy the show. Yeah, it's a bit of a long episode, this one, so we'll leave you to it. Listen in, enjoy the show, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah, see you then. I am super excited to welcome this man to the show today. We worked together in London for three and a half years and then a lot longer from afar when I came back to New Zealand. Welcome to the show, Mr. Keith Marsh. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, it'd be better to be there, to be fair, but it's good to be here anyway. I know it would be nice if we could catch up face to face, but that's just not possible at the moment. Hey, so look, tell me, how are you and your family doing? Ah, uh, we're all good. We're, I mean, we've got used to it, to be honest. I mean, as, as you know, I've been working from home for a while anyway. We did lockdown version one back in, oh, when was that? Seems like so long ago. Doesn't matter. We're now in lockdown version 2.0 until December the 4th, I believe. And then, we're, oh, then we've got a very restricted Christmas. And then by all accounts... All is going to be well in 2021, as right. there's now three vaccines, and they're going to start, I was going to say handing them out, but it's not, it's jabs. And that starts next week, I think. Oh, they're starting to vaccinate next week? Yes, I've got a friend, in fact, we've got someone who lives downstairs, who's NHS, and she was on the COVID ward. She's just shifted to maternity ward, but anyway, she was on the COVID ward, and yeah, they're starting with NHS stuff. 1st of December. Excellent. So it's kicking off fast. But it's, it seems like a long time we've had this whole situation, but it is amazing how fast things are moving. Mm, thank Something goodness. Thank, thank goodness it's developing quicker so that we're not in this any longer than we have to be. Well, you guys, it's, it's been fine down there, hasn't it? It's... We're definitely painting that picture. <laughs> yeah. it's, a bit, it's not quite the same up here. We, we saw... Um, Adelaide had 
20 cases, I think it is, and it's all gone, oh, what are we going to do? We're like, we've got 25,000 every day. I don't know what you're worried about. Oh, well, Adelaide sorted it now, so um, borders back open, as far as I know. I'm not sure if the borders are open between, they're not open between Australia and New Zealand yet, are they? No, they're not, no. Some of the Australian states have opened their borders to New Zealand, but the problem with that is when you come home, you still have to go into managed isolation and pay for it. Yeah, well, if the prove successful, I think it'll be, well, you're right. It won't, it won't be any earlier than that, that anyone will be coming from the UK. But, but Qantas have already said they will, they'll only fly people with vaccine. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting topic, isn't it? Especially for those anti-vaxxers. Oh, it already is. There's petitions popping up everywhere on online. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I'm actually quite happy to sit on a plane with people that have been vaccinated personally, particularly yeah, you if you're going to be flying long haul. So Keith, we've just been talking a wee bit about the COVID situation. So describe life in the UK right now. What's the mood like? You know what? It's pretty good. Yes, we're already locked down again, but everyone kind of understands why that has happened. And um, most people are blaming the uni students because that seems to be... <laughs> Always blame the kids. Yes, to be fair. But it was like, you know, it was all going quite sort of okay. And then everyone went back to uni all over the place and it just spiked soon afterwards. But it's all dying back down again. As we've already said, there's vaccines out there. We can see the end of lockdown. We've got Christmas coming. And then everyone's, the general perception is next year, There'll be vaccines, we can do what we like, pretty much. It, it's 2021 is hopefully returned to normal. Tourism, as far as Australia and New Zealand, probably not so much, not that fast, but not far behind it. If, you know, if Qantas are happy with everyone vaccinated on the plane, why not? What's, what is the problem? Uh, Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> she may not let you in. <laughs> I chat with a fair few agents yesterday and today to sort of get their update and uh, yeah there's, there's some concern actually with New Zealand is how hard it is to rebook at the moment understandably suppliers down there are not allowing anyone to rebook until the borders are open mm. but all the agents here who have got bookings to be fair not new ones all the past bookings that they've said well hang on we'll rebook later can't Mm. And they're therefore then losing those bookings. And of course, some of the agents here are getting quite concerned because you, you want to book with a company, they're not taking bookings. Are they not taking bookings because the borders aren't open or because they are in the middle of folding? Because yeah. a lot in Europe. So, and there's a lot of companies, again, you can kind of understand their reasoning that they're laying off staff or having staff on, say, one day a week. So, the travel agent here, this is Trail Finders out of interest that was saying it, they were saying, we get in touch with a supplier in New Zealand and no one gets back. Mm, no what? one's actually saying what's going on. Well, a lot of the staff there, they're not, but if they've hardly got any staff left, then they're, and they're not responding to emails because they're not open effectively. I think the other thing that's happened is a lot of the sales and marketing resources actually gone from a lot mm. of our operators. And this is one of the things that came up. I was at a meeting the other day and they'd invited somebody to come along and their email had bounced back. And it's, it's like, well, don't just shut the marketing person's email down, forward it 
to somebody who is working in the business so at least you don't lose those opportunities. Now, that was just a simple meeting, but if it was business... Yeah, but honestly, that's happening a lot. It's, it's, yeah. we're here, I'm hearing that from a lot of agents saying, we don't know what to do. We send an email, we don't get a response. Or you get an out of office. Or you get a, I'm not here today, it's going to go through to Dave's email, but then he doesn't get back. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, is this company still going? And yeah. is this company still going to be going in six months when we are going to brochure it? You know, because a lot of the companies here, they're doing their brochures for 2021. Yeah. Which is very positive and it's great they're doing it. But how do you do a brochure if you don't know if the thing you're putting in the brochure is going to be there? Yeah. It's, yep. it's very important that everyone in New Zealand pretty much puts their hand up and says, look, we're still running. We're, we're not out of business. We might be down to 20% staff or whatever, but we are. We are going. open for business. Exactly. Yeah. Not your business yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the other challenges that we've got is that we have no um, real clear indication from the government on when the borders might reopen or how long they're even going to stay closed. So at the moment, we know today we're closed. And now internally, we can sit and make our own assumptions and decide when we think those borders may reopen. I know from the UK, there's different laws there. Like the consumers are covered if they make a booking and then the government comes back and says the borders are closed and you can't go. Is that right? Whereas, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of package rules. And yeah, there's a lot of package rules and now obviously COVID rules. Some Some of the insurances you didn't get, but now you do yeah as soon as new zealand says it's going to open you're going to be inundated it will be the pent-up demand is mental that's great to hear keith if say for example they say new zealand is going to open on the first of october next year right as soon as that gets announced everyone will book there'll be a huge demand i think you've already mentioned there was 1.8 1.8 million people went to Spain in August. There was a lady, she looks after the marketing for the ferries between England and France, the P&O ferries. And they said when they built their website, it was designed for up to 500 people to be able to simultaneously book a ferry to France. Wow. And the whole time they've had their website, it never peaked at more than 200. Boris Johnson said, you're allowed to go to France, there's no quarantine. And their website crashed because they had 2,800 people try to book immediately. Wow. To get out of Britain is absolutely immense right now. So whatever date New Zealand picks, as soon as anyone hears about it, everyone's going to book, which means, unfortunately, your suppliers have got to make sure the staff are trained and they're all prepared in advance of that date. And we don't know when that date is. So it's not easy. And we don't even know how much notice we're going to get on that date either. Because obviously, as we've seen, things change so quickly that even in Australia, like I think Queensland is about to reopen its border to New South Wales, but they only announced that two days ago for the 1st of December, which is next week. And then they said, providing Victoria continues their their streak, which was only one more day that they needed to get to 28 days of no community transmission, they would also open. So they've literally had five, six days notice 
of the borders opening and and who knows what's going to happen with our international borders it's the same here it's absolutely the same here there's, there's yeah. portugal opens then it closes france opens closes and then you can go to spain you can't everyone at the moment is going to the maldives and the caribbean because they're open and massive demand dubai is another one i'm hearing about a lot lately yeah that a lot of the long haul specialists are just selling Middle East, Caribbean, and Maldives. They'd love to sell Australia, New Zealand again, but just not. They can't. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. Hey, now, Keith, before we get too far into um, having a chat, and it's great chat, I just want to set the scene a little bit because, believe it or not, there may be a couple of people who don't know you, and it's. it's I know. Oh. That- <laughs> So, like, tell us a little bit about your long history of success in tourism, where you've come from, and, you know, what you're up to now. Well, I'm from England. I'm from England originally. I went backpacking. Uh, backpacking on August the 3rd, 1988. Oh. Um, it was a scary thought. Went to America. Then I went to New Zealand. Then I went to Australia. Back to New Zealand. New Zealand, Australia. New Zealand, Australia. I did about 10 years. I used to own three backpackers' hostels in Auckland. One on Constitution Hill, which is a very small street in Auckland. One on Parnell, Ra- Parnell Road, and one on um, in Ponsonby. And then started working for Kiwi Experience in the mid early mid nineties, and then came out to the UK to set up the office for that, and then got bought by THL. And yeah, THL for twenty. Five years, I think, just about. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I think it was 2000 that THL bought Kiwi Experience because it was just when I had arrived in London. Yeah, so technically, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, so it was well, 20 years then, wasn't it? So yeah. 20 years at THL, so I got bought. I think I was quite expensive at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were thrown in for free. You were the value Much add. Cheaper now. <laughs> Much cheaper now. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I've been based up here looking after... THL, New Zealand, Australia stuff, and America, obviously. For Yeah, I looked after Europe and America for a bit and Scandinavia. And uh, yeah, love it. Love it. And I want to get back to touring tourism because it's, it's not really happening right now. Most of the agents I deal with are down to 40, 50% of their previous staff levels. Some as low as 25%. Trail finders are probably doing the best. They're they must be on 80, maybe even 90% of their staff levels. In fact, they opened up a new shop this year. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Said no one else ever. <laughs> Everyone's just closing shops and closing and thinning out. And they're like, oh, we've opened a new shop. Really? Good on them. They're brilliant. Um, good leases available, I'd imagine. Some good, yeah, high street property <laughs> locations. They own their shops. They, they own about 90% of their shops. They don't right. lease. That's his, was one of his things, which is one of the reasons why I think they're doing okay, because they've not got many, they've, well, they've got staff overheads, but they own the buildings yep. and nearly all the shops they've got. Makes a difference. Um, he's, in the time, he's in the Times Top 100 list for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. So Keith, we, we have we have discussed a wee bit about how the Brits are travelling already and as you pointed out and mentioned in one of our shows, 1.8 million Brits escaped off to Spain in August alone. So what I'm keen to hear from you is what do you think is going to happen when the borders eventually do open and who do you think will be the first to travel? 
Well, as I said, as soon as, not, not so much when the borders open, even when you give us a date when the borders are going to open, bookings will flood in some rebookings, but new bookings. The ones that will travel will be, I think, to be honest, either end of the spectrum. So older and more affluent. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think you, you I think your sort of APT tour might struggle a bit. You're not going to get many of the scenic bus tours. Mm -hmm. Camper vans are going to go absolutely ballistic, as will rental cars and private villas. That's the big thing that's going on at the moment. So you can just go and have your own place, which doesn't really suit New Zealand so much because you're, you're going to want to travel around, which is why camper vans are going to do really well and rental cars will do really well. For the older clientele, the younger ones will travel again because they've all been a uni, they've all had it, they've got over it. It doesn't really affect them much, so they won't care. The mid-range will be the ones that you'll see a bit of a, a less of sort of the thinning out, the, you know, the mum, dad and a couple of kids because mm -hmm. they've been hit financially. So to be honest, most of the people that have been hit hard financially here is the, uh, the lower paid. So your restaurant workers, your shop workers, people that, to be honest, didn't go to New Zealand anyway. They went to Spain. Right. Uh, and yeah, right, it's generalizing quite strongly, but it tends, the ones that go to New Zealand tend to be more affluent in the first place. Even the backpackers, everyone thinks backpackers have got no money, but all the backpackers that go to New Zealand have got plenty of money. And if they haven't, their parents have. Keith, that is so, a great soundbite after last episode. <laughs> <laughs> They've got truckloads of money. And yeah, as I say, if they haven't, daddy's credit card will do very nicely. Thank you very much. So I honestly think New Zealand won't see a massive drop. As soon as the UK and the Scandinavian market comes back on board, 80, 90% of the previous clientele will come with it. Amazing it's to hear. Spain that will suffer. Yeah, that's so, right. No, it's all good news. That it's going to be a good news. year next year. This year's a write-off. Next year will be a good one. Keith, you've just got me excited. <laughs> For the first time. <laughs> About possible travel. This is great. Can we get Jacinda on the line? Yeah. <laughs> and Stuart Nash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. invite she's, she's, yeah. she's done very well out of it all. She's done a very good job. She's got a lot of publicity. Yes. Our Prime Minister. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Smashed it. Yeah. She just has to open our borders. Then she'll get the real gold yeah, star. Yeah. <laughs> Say when it's safe to do so. That yeah, that's obviously, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion here around opening borders. And of course, there's a bit of backlash from the general public to the tourism industry going, actually, we quite like being here in our New Zealand bubble, feeling quite safe and away from all of those COVID ridden countries, you know, because we're watching what's going on in, in the United States. And we're seeing what's going on in the UK and Europe. And of course, it does feel pretty surreal for us because life is pretty much normal here. So we've had to be very careful as an industry to say, yes, we obviously want the borders to open because there's this massive hole in all of our earnings and in the economy with the borders closed. But we also want it to be done safely because we don't have the medical resources here for a start if we had a major um, blowout like some of the countries around the world. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Hey, now, apart from COVID, there was a lot of discussion around flight shame, especially out of Europe and to New Zealand and Australia, because we're so far away. 
Is this a real thing? And how do you think this is going to play out? Don't worry about it. Yes, it's a real <laughs> thing. For a start, you've got to start with the Europe. It's Sweden. Right. It is, honestly, it's okay. 90% Sweden because of Greta, obviously. And it was also, it's aimed predominantly at business flights. So there was a lot, and the flight shaming was companies as opposed to people. Right. If you were in, say, Stockholm and you flew to Gothenburg, because of course Sweden's not very big. No. But you fly from Sweden, if you go from Stockholm to Gothenburg, the flight is about, just about an hour. But you can get there on a train in four hours. Yep. Or you could drive in about six hours. Yep. So they were flight shaming companies saying, why are you flying people from Stockholm to Gothenburg when you can use Zoom or you can go on the train? It's only four hours. It's not that big a deal. Why are you flying so much? Um, so it was okay. the domestic flights within Sweden dropped by 50% in 2019. That is massive. Massive. Wow. Um, long haul flights and international flights barely anything and there was a little bit of and again we're just talking about sweden here there was still a bit of kids saying to their parents you know should we really go on holiday to greece this year and the parents were like yes (laughs) 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 denmark and norway not much at all and the uk and the rest of mainland europe not really just silly flights. I mean, if you're doing something stupid, there, there is a definite sort of a whole waking up to being a bit more eco. If you're flying from London to Manchester, like really, do you have to do that? Mm. But still, people will still go on holiday to Spain. People will still go on holiday to New Zealand or go to America. That's fine. It was more just unnecessary, silly flights. And again, COVID straight after that was... Well, hang on a minute, we don't really even have to turn up to the office. We can yeah. do Zoom. So exactly. I think the flight shaming problems kind of almost solved itself. That's one mm. of the problems out of COVID is that everyone's realizing that you don't necessarily have to fly two hours to have a really important meeting. <laughs> what, I hear, what I hear you saying there, Keith, is people are just becoming a bit more conscious about their travel and how they travel and taking in some greater consideration of what the effect they're having on the environment with their choice of travel. So um, it's not just travel. It's just like, do you really need, you know, it's the whole reduce, reuse, mm-hmm. recycle. Like recycle is the third thing you should be doing. You should actually reduce first. You don't, mm. if you don't need to do that trip, don't do it. You don't mm. need that thing. Don't buy it. It's yeah. It's just less waste. Unfortunately, the, the downside of COVID is, is a lot of plastic out there now. Yeah. The amount of plastic that's been ordered for masks and things, it's horrendous. And even we're seeing in, I've stayed in a couple of different accommodation providers and of course they're, everything's back to single use and yes. they're individually wrapped because they need yeah. to do that for the health and safety side of COVID. But yeah, you're looking at the, the plastic and it's like, oh, it's I thought we were kind of years. through this. It's so long to get people out of that mindset and yep. to you know, just buying stuff not in plastic packets in the supermarket and not, you know, you, you don't need everything individually wrapped and then all of a sudden it's back, which is mm. hopefully, like I say, hopefully next year it'll all be over 
and everyone will go back to, right, let's try and be a bit more sensible about everything. Uh, just wash hands. Just wash your hands, people. <laughs> it's not that hard. I know. And how surprising was it the amount of people that came out and went, I never did. I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you are not my friend. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Look, we have discussed a little bit, or we've touched on a little bit, how NZ has been perceived in terms of how we've coped with COVID. What's the discussion in the tourism circles about how we've coped? Uh, Yeah, everyone's impressed with the way New Zealand's handled it, to be fair. The lack of cases, uh, it's it's always been, had reputation as a clean country that looks after itself and everyone within it. And that's obviously been borne through by the way it all worked out and I think everyone can understand why the borders are closed why would you allow disease riddled people <laughs> in the it doesn't make sense at the moment and like I say that's the whole point of the vaccine and hopefully we'll be all sorted next year but at the moment yeah I think New Zealand's handled it very well the only negative as I've pointed out already is just keeping up that communication staying in touch with the long haul agents it, it doesn't take a lot. This Zoom call is an example. You just, it just makes sure that all the companies are keeping in touch with all the agents up here to say, look, we're still here. We're still open for business. Yes, we've shut off 20% of our rooms, 80% of our rooms, or we parked up some of our boats. Fine. Just make sure they're aware that you're not in dire straits. So just stay in touch. But apart from that, no, it's, New Zealand's obviously done a great job. Always does. Thank you. Yeah, I was on a webinar a couple of weeks ago and and that was one of the points I made. It was one of the inbound operators ran the webinar for suppliers here in New Zealand. And I made the point there to say, keep in touch and not only to let them know what you're up to, but to keep track of who's still working because as you said, there's so many staff changes and personnel changes happening up there that if you wait to touch base until the borders are announced as reopening soon you won't have a clue who to talk to no and and everyone will come in to book and they'll all these people will come in to try and book your activity your hotel whatever and they the staff member they're talking to will have no idea what they're talking about because they haven't had training for a year they might be new they certainly won't know about your new procedures which Mm. I would say every single hotel and every activity in Australia and New Zealand will have new procedures. And the first question they're all going to ask when they code a book is whatever it is, whether they're booking a rental car, camper van or a hotel, they'll say, what's the COVID situation? And the the, the staff here are going to go, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to work. It's a really good conversation that if there's one tidbit that businesses need to take from this podcast right now is go and talk about that plan and, and have, it, have plan A, B and C and communicate that with the agents overseas so they know what each scenario may be and hopefully it's plan C and there's no problem. But yeah, it might be A or B and that's what you're looking at. And, and yeah. price for that. Yeah, yeah, because... It, it, People want to understand if the prices change. If you've got a boat that takes 48 people that can only have 24 on it, it's not going to be the same price. Mm, and that's no. fine. I think everyone will accept that. Mm-hmm. But they have to know in advance. It's not, a, mm. you know, they don't want to arrive the last minute and find out it's, it's jumped in price by, well, that would be 100%. 
So yeah, just it, it's just stay in touch. Yeah. As, as Michelle points out, a lot of the time you'll find the people here that you were talking to aren't here anymore. That there is someone else. Mm. There's only STA. Yeah, only STA so far have gone. Touch okay. with. <laughs> Let's hope that stays that way. Yeah. So, Keith, one of the things that we've been noticing here, especially with the domestic market, is that they're loving exploring their backyard and they're looking at getting out and going a lot deeper into tourism experiences than what the internationals probably do and going to areas that traditionally aren't tourism hotspots because with accessibility and word of mouth and having your own car and being able to get to these places, that's causing this regional dispersal. So what sort of experiences are you thinking that the Brits will start to seek out over there and and what are they seeking out over there and do you see any change to itineraries that might happen or to the types of experiences that they'll look forward to here in New Zealand? Short answer is no I don't think there'll be much change at all actually. New Zealand's still famous for its its Maori culture mainly sort of Rotorua and then Queenstown obviously you know it, all the classics will will be the classics and they will remain that way. It will be, I think it's more likely to be the way people travel will change a bit rather than where they go. They're not going to, yeah, so the really random places like Nungaroo or whatever will always remain Kiwis only. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I think it's the style. Well, the style of travel will change. We've got the same here. I mean, obviously, because we're not allowed to go anywhere else, the people from Britain are traveling around Britain a lot. And the Scandies are traveling, the Swedish is traveling around Sweden, the Danish is traveling around Denmark. Much like the Kiwis, I've no doubt, re refinding places they haven't been since they were a kid, or possibly even never have been to, and they're just like, oh, it's it's really actually good. Mm. But do you know what? The novelty's already wearing off. Yeah. In fact, I think it's worn off in most cases, and they're like, no, everyone wants to go. As, as we said before, as soon as a border opens, as soon as there's a sniff of a border opens, everyone's booking it and going. Do you think, Keith, like you said, the main hotspots will still be the main hotspots, but do you think some travellers, possibly the younger, possibly the other end of the spectrum, might want to go and, and say, look, I don't really want to be where the big crowds are. Yes, I want to go to a hotspot, but I also want to go and check out some of these secret places because we have, that's how we've just been travelling for the last year in our own country. Do you think that will have a knock-on effect? Yeah, yeah, in both cases. I think they've already started to see a... We started to see that happening anyway. With the, the youth market, the Instagrammers want to be seen somewhere no one different. Yeah. yeah. They want to go somewhere no one else is doing, which is why camper vans were booming for 18 through to 25-year-olds already. So they're already trying to get a bit further afield. Though, again, they still go to Rotorua. They still go to Queenstown. They still go to the Bay of Islands. They'll still do the classics, but they're trying to go a bit further away. And again, the other end of the spectrum, the older ones, they will also still do the classics. They will potentially, you might see a bit more boutique hotels mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. smaller accommodation rather than Hilton type. I can't remember if there is a Hilton actually. Oh, there is in Auckland. Anyway, <laughs> not, not the Hilton, nothing over the Hilton. But, uh, yeah, I think they might the need to do some sales are, training. <laughs> <laughs> people will try and do some smaller hotels rather than bigger ones 
there's loads of boutique B&Bs all around New Zealand, so that's not going to be an issue. But I think it will be rental cars, small hotels, camper vans, and the youth will be doing the Instagram. But they kind of were already going that, down that path. This will just, again, exacerbate it. They'll try, as you say, they'll try and stay away from crowds. But yep. New Zealand's not crowded. <laughs> True. <laughs> just not. I know Auckland traffic gets a bit dodgy. But oh, it's nothing compared to overseas. No. I know. We get in Wanaka, we get annoyed when there's a three cars at the roundabout. That's a traffic jam. And I, I've done many talks on New Zealand up here, and um, I did some Google stats on various countries. And in England, there is one person, no, sorry, for every one square mile, there's 1,050 people. Wow. In New Zealand, there's 41. In Australia, there's only eight. So I mean, literally, you're, talking to, you're talking to people in, in England and you say, like, just so you know, if you look outside and you can see 105 cars in New Zealand, there'd be four. If you can see 105 people in New Zealand, there'd be four. Yep. It's, it's not crowded, which is why everyone loves it. So, no, I don't think they're going to be too concerned about bumping into people and catching COVID. It's more... <laughs> And Keith, are you seeing a lot of change in the channels there? Consolidation of operators and closures and things like that, or anything we any other tidbits you can give us? Uh, no, to be honest, no. Like I say, trail finders are doing really well. A lot of the others, yes, they've lost a lot of staff, a lot of staff on furlough. They will ramp up very quickly because I've spoken to a lot of the staff that are no longer working in tourism. There's, they're doing all sorts. And they all want to go back. They've all said, yes, all right, there is no job for me in tourism right now. So I'm being a postman or I'm stacking shelves in a supermarket. Loads of people are doing delivery driving because that is boomed. Booming. Yeah. But they all just say, right, I don't, this is, this is just temporary. I can do this for six months. I can do this for a year. But as soon as the jobs arrive back in travel, straight back in. into it. So the companies that are down to... 30% of their previous staff will bounce back to 100% in months, weeks yep. even. Good so no, I think and the channels, there will be more B2C because the travel agents, I think a lot of the companies in New Zealand, Australia, the suppliers have realized actually, do you know what? That's a lot of commission overrides and whatever. There's, the, the contracts will be different. The pay will be different, um, but it will still be back. Mm, interesting. We had a discussion about that recently and I wondered if there's been two things happen. You've had a bunch of people who've booked with travel agents who are now out of pocket um, because they haven't been able to get refunds due to the terms and conditions. But there's also a lot of other people who probably have booked direct and are in worse positions. So yeah, there is this question around the distribution channel and what that might look like and the certainty that travelers will be looking for and not only the certainty, but the flexibility in terms. So if something does happen, are they protected? Can they get their money back? What are the refund terms and conditions? Those sorts of things are all considerations now that you didn't really think about in the past. Yeah, we well, had it a bit here before. We had it a long time ago, almost eight years or so, whenever that volcano went up in Iceland. Mm. 
I don't know if you even noticed it, but there was a volcano went up in Iceland and it knocked out all the flights, all the flights in Europe. for about yeah. 10 days. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, everyone that booked direct to see were just, they were just screwed. Yeah. Because you've got no one to call, you've got nowhere to go. You send an email to EasyJet, you know, good luck with that. Yeah. And so you've got, yeah, yeah if you book your EasyJet flight and your hotels.com hotel and whatever, if you do it all bit by bit, you just haven't got a leg to stand on. Whereas at least if you book, so as soon as that volcano sorted itself out, travel agent business just boomed. Mm. And then it, it sort of slowly died off again as everyone's gone, do you know what? It's quite easy to book online. It's quite easy to book online until it goes wrong. Yeah. Until and this year, I think it's shown people it can go wrong. Yeah. I'm a big supporter of booking with an agent. Absolutely. It, yeah. You've got one point, to, one point of contact to go 100%. to. 100%. And yes, all right, SDA did go under. So that one was probably, you know, anyone who booked through SDA, including me, actually. <laughs> You're a bit short on that, but that's where your travel insurance comes in. At least you've got someone to go to who can try and sort out all your different things yep. and consolidate and get you your money back. And they've got, they've got more clout mm. than just email to EasyJet, whoever. And not only that, if you have a flight delay... And you've got this knock-on effect through your whole itinerary and you've oh, yeah, yeah. done all of that individually. It's an absolute nightmare. All the hotels will say, sorry, but you've got this, this, this. You go, I'm going to arrive a day late. Like, okay, we'll forget that date. Yeah. It's your problem. You're now offering a representation service along with online training for the UK and, and European markets. So tell us, what are the benefits of working with someone like you in those markets? Oh, I think it's been needed for years. I've just, it, there, there are a couple of companies here already, but we've set one up that's specifically for long haul travel. The, most of the online training is just aimed at high street, Spain, two week bucket, you know, bucket and spade holidays. So we've got, no, we want one for long haul. So for the example, oh, we've used my watch Kaikoura's example. They can go, they could have a module on our online training so that all the agents here can go online. It's live, as in it can be adjusted 24-7. So what they're looking at is up-to-date information on how many people are on the boat, how much it costs, when it's running, and just keep themselves up-to-date. So to the reach you can get with online training totally surpasses anything anyone can do uh, personally it also for example because i don't i also want to do the personal stuff because i think the personal one-to-one -one counts far more if you can do it if you can afford it but then you can go in to see an agent and say right well i know that of 10 of you eight have done our online training well that's great so i already know what i'm starting i've got my starting point already i'm not just going in not knowing anything about it i know who's done what so online is clearly the future well it's not the future it's now. it's now. <laughs> yeah, it has been for a while. So I think online training is, is kind of a given. You'd be mad not to do it. It just doesn't make sense not to. I'll also be doing personal representation because I still believe in that as well. And I think you need someone in market who knows the people. As, as Lisa's pointed out, some of the people are changing. So you've mm. got to stay up to date. You've got to be here to know what's going on. So I shall also be doing that. And I... I'm obviously biased, but I think you need to do it sooner rather than you can't wait until mm. it's, the date's been announced. 
will have missed the boat. I can't tell you when that date's going to be. You know, you, I don't know how far in advance you need to be, but no one does. But you can't, you can't plan for the future in the future. No. You have to plan for the future in the present. Yep. Just logic. And when the borders are announced as opening, I would imagine that you've talked about those operators having to scale up again. That will be their focus, not scrambling trying to find products. Like that, that should already be done, right? So it is a good opportunity and time now to, we've all got a little bit more space to start planning for that and maybe building some relationships that we haven't had because there's yeah. a lot of operators who haven't been able to afford trips to KiwiLink in the UK or in market visits, but you're offering a service that can give them that without. I think there's a lot of companies going to have to have a, I mean, I'm sure they're already doing it. A lot of companies going to have to take a step back, have a really good look at how their company works, what their customers are getting out of their business, yep. how to approach it and how to do it. Because now's the time to have a decent look and go, well, actually we don't need that. We do need this. Yeah. And we can cut costs there, whatever. It's time for a reset. So Keith, for those listening and those that don't know you, how do they get hold of you? And what do they need to do before they get hold of you in preparation? So I've set up the, the um, online training platforms called My Training Guru, which is mytrainingguru.com. And then the other, the representation is called TaylorMade Representation, which again is tailormaderepresentation.com. And the kind of the clues in the name, it, it's going to be tailor-made. I don't think there is a one solution for any company anymore. As we've said, it's just, it's all changed now. You can't just go, right, we want two staff there or one there, and we're just going to do this. Or we're going to go to KiwiLink every year, and we're going to send people over two times a year on top of that. It, it's not that simple. It's, it's got to be tailor-made. It's got to be adjustable because yeah this year if anything's shown us you need to be you need to be flexible so yeah whoever give me a shout and i'll work out a plan that suits me and them and work out what what makes sense in the short term medium and long term because we all get out of this at the end and the, the future is coming <laughs> I love your optimism. I think we've talked about it on so many different episodes about how optimistic the tourism industry is. And I think chatting to you has just reminded me over again that, you know, despite what's going on in the UK, yeah, you're still really positive and excited about the future, which is great. I love travel. I love travel. So I know and everyone in the travel industry loves it. So they will continue to do it. And the, the British and the Scandinavian markets and the, and the Germanic and all over Europe, every, they love holidays. Yeah. It's just seen as a, it's, it's an essential item. Mm. It's just accepted. You will go on at least one holiday a year. It's just, yep. you just do. It has been for many years. I know in America, I lived in America for a couple of years as well. And I love America, but they, they don't see it the same way. They don't travel as much. There was one stage I was there, I think they said was 15% of Americans have got a passport. And half of those are in the armed forces, so they have to have a passport. Whereas in the UK and Europe and Scandinavia, everyone, and everyone will travel every year. So yeah, pent up demand is 
It's like a cork in a champagne bottle here right now. Love champagne too. <laughs> now, before we finish, we just do one little thing with all of our guests, Keith, oh and it's our quick fire round. We haven't obviously sent you these questions beforehand because it's just got to be the first thing that comes off the top of your um, head, off your, <laughs> the tip of your tongue. <laughs> so, well, are you up for that? It's, it's not too hard. It's not too onerous. So, um, yeah, we'll crack on into it. Summer or winter? Oh, summer. North Island or South Island? Oh, that's harsh. North Island, though. Yes, Ooh. I got one back. I knew I invited you on for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Mountains or ocean? Mountains. Favourite place in New Zealand? Oh. oh, that depends on your mood. That so depends on your mood. Um... Oh, do you know what? I'm going to go back just because it, it, it came up earlier on. Nungaroo. You've never been there. Go there. It's beautiful. Okay. Can you tell me where that is? Yeah. We're really bad not knowing where it is. It's up the coast. If you go to Whangarei and turn right. Ah, uh, yes. Tutukaka. Yep. Very near Tutukaka. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now I know. Uh, Favourite place in the world? Again, depends on your mood, doesn't it? That one. Um, but you know, I love Italy. There's yeah. numerous parts of Italy. It's fantastic. Yep. Perfect. What's your favourite part of working in tourism? Oh, it's the people. Come on. We all know that. <laughs> it's an easy one, isn't it? Um, here's, here's a good one for you, which we haven't actually touched on, but hugs or handshakes? <laughs> hugs. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so Keith, is known as the hugger. He is the best hugger in the world. Just saying that. Sorry to my husband, but keep Not this year. Yeah. Um, beer or bourbon? Oh, depends on the time. Um, <laughs> beer, beer until about nine, 9.30, then bourbon. <laughs> and what's the best tourism experience you've had anywhere in the world? Good question. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I really, when I first did it, I was absolutely, I really enjoyed, and I was blown away with the um, blackwater rafting. Oh. So I'm struggling to go past the luge in Rota Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> luge is just brilliant fun. Yeah, so blackwater rafting or luge, which one? Luge. Okay. There we go. Hey, that's really cool. Keith, thank you so much for joining us today. I know we're on opposite sides of the world and different time zones, but I have really enjoyed catching up with you. And obviously it's been a while since we had a chat. So great to see your face and catch up. And obviously I think you've given our listeners some really good tips on how to work with the UK and European market. And hopefully your phone will be running hot. We're going to put your contact details in our episode notes so people know how to find you and get hold Brilliant. of you. But yeah, please say hi to everybody up there from us. Yeah. And we'll when you're it. able to give them a big hug because we miss those UK <laughs> hugs and hopefully it won't be too much longer before we see you down here in New Zealand or we can come up and visit you because I'm overdue a holiday up there as well. Come on up. Brighton's beautiful. Yeah. Righto. Thanks, Have a good Keith. day.
Thanks, yeah. Keith. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah.